Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tradition. Conservation. Family. The outdoors. It matters to you. It matters to us. This is Hunting Matters. Presented by Houston Safari Club Foundation. Here's Joe Bitar. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Bitar. I am Ramon Robles. How are you doing today, Ramon? I'm a little nervous. I'm going to be honest with you. Why? We have a very, uh, we have a very VIP, a very, very important person Look, on the Look, we've been doing this long enough for you not to refer to me in that manner. So, <laughs> not I mean, referring to you. You nervous about it. No, sir. I don't get nervous with you. Oh, you mean our guest today? Yeah. It's oh. a big one. She has a little pool. Yeah, in the administration, and well, I, I think she's probably uh, you and I combined probably ten times more intelligent, and <laughs> and then there's that. Yeah, so. reading her bio. Yeah, did I ever go to school? Did I ever study? Yeah. No. Oh man, so Sorry. it's uh, it's another uh, another week into January, and uh, a lot of stuff going on. A lot I of transition heard. and Is change. There, okay. And, yeah, you don't, you'll have to you fill me in on it later. Yeah, I didn't hear it better. I'll get my crayons out and <laughs> draw me a diagram. Clue you in a little I bit. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, things are still going on in the outdoor world, a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing. Uh, uh, disappointingly, I'm hearing reports from all over the country that the duck season just has not been oh, really? what it what it should should have been or was what it was expected to be. You know, we, we did, never really had our big winter storms to push the ducks down all the way south. So, okay. from, you know, from the Carolinas to Texas and uh, and beyond, they just have not seen the ducks, the big ducks, you know, yeah. mallards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Teal season was really good. Coastal duck hunting has been fairly fairly good. But, um, yeah, we just never got that snap. So hopefully this week or next we'll get a push and can help people be successful wrapping up the end of the season. Well, when is the end of the season? I'm ignorant to duck season. I don't. I know you were going to ask me. Sorry, that. I don't have the date in front okay, of me. That's but okay. It's. I mean, it's coming up in many parts of the country. It's already wrapped, and it's coming up here. You know, uh, first part of February. What's the window typically? Weeks for duck season? Yeah. Uh, well, typically you have till season starting in you know September, oh, October right. in some parts of the that. country, and then there's a split duck zone. Yeah. So you have uh, duck season running November to, to December. It'll shut down for a while in December and open up again, and then geese is wide open uh, i think in texas is wide open until february into, okay. into february so but uh yeah it's it's been a challenging season out there for the waterfowlers from what from what i'm hearing hearing from my buddies and from the reports so hmm. um anyway um so what's new with you well i went hunting last weekend yep and i think we my, my buddy has two thousand acres of of a lease and i think that is literally the only two thousand the only spot with literally zero hogs Really? He's never seen him on a cam, on wow. a camera, nothing. We are the only patch of land in the state of Texas with no hogs. And that's, that's... what I, I geared up for because I had my deer, you know. Yeah. So I just wanted to eradicate those varmin. That's hard to believe. Nothing. Nothing. So we killed whiskey instead. Oh. Which oh, is fine. Go. Yeah. Did you, did you get your limit? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got my limit of whiskey. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad you got to go outdoors for a bit. And this weekend, uh, depending on how the weather works out, we're going to hit the Tom Bass Park because they just restocked it two yep. weekends ago. Trout. 
Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. rainbow trout. Yeah. yeah, trout stockings are happening all over the state, and uh, I encourage people to go out there and take a kid fishing or take a buddy fishing who's never fished before because yeah. it's a perfect opportunity, and it's easy. I mean, you really need to hook a line and uh, a night crawlers or canned corn. I'm going to hold you to that. And, yeah, you I mean, said it it's works. easy. Okay. And if you put a night crawler on there with canned piece of corn, <laughs> it's really effective. It'll give him something to eat while he's waiting in the water. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, enough foolishness. Uh, we're going to get on to our guest today. Our guest is Aurelia Skipwith. Skip, uh, Aurelia is the former director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and we've got a lot to talk about today, a lot to talk about. So, Aurelia, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. See, I, I'm nervous. I had her potted down. I'm sorry about that, Aurelia Skipworth. Skipwith, $100. <laughs> That's strike two. I thought you said Skipwith. I, I said Skipworth. And then and then I changed it quickly to skip with. I see. I knew I was going to do it. I was just nervous. Where do you want to go back to? <laughs> no, just, we're fine. No, we're, we're going. Good? Yeah, we're, right. this is it. He'll fix this in post, Aurelia. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it so much. No, this is fantastic. Thank you guys so much for having me. And it was a pleasure to meet Joe. Um, it was almost a year ago yep. today. That's um, right. When I came down to um, your guys' annual meeting, and that was fantastic. So um, I just want to say thank you for, for having me on the show today. Well, we appreciate your time, and I, I got to brag because I think that was your first public uh, speaking engagement as the director. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that, well, that, that was your first time uh, in, in that role. Yeah. How'd yeah, she do? She was a huge success. It, it, it was. It was. I'm going to embarrass her a little bit. It was absolutely ridiculous. It got to the point where she was there with one of her aides, and uh, I call them enforcers. But um, and I literally had to start telling people, okay, she's she's busy. She's got to go because uh, when the director came off the stage, people were lined up with questions and comments and that sort of thing. So they they kind of cornered her in the audience, and, and nice. uh, it was uh, it was great. I mean, it was a great experience, and there were a lot of people that were. Uh, that were motivated and inspired by what you had to say that day. And, you know, and that was really like um, a platform to talk about, you know, so I was in the, in the Trump administration, I was, I was appointed and um, nominated and confirmed. And, you know, it was to focus on, you know, keeping working lands working, how do we work with the public? And um, a lot of that just hadn't been discussed before. Um, And so that was kind of weighing, a clean platform to say, okay, we're going to go where people are. Um, the public land, they're your public land, um, and they're supposed to be open for you to come hunting, to go fishing, um, get outdoors and recreate. Um, and it was just great to be able to share that message. And I don't think a lot of people um, knew about, you know, what what we were going to, what we were doing, and what we were focused on. And then having those conversations, and also just being more accessible. Um, and sometimes that just, that didn't happen. So, um, it was very welcoming to come down, um, and speak, um, and your members were fantastic. Well, we appreciated you being there. And I think you hit it on a, hit on a critical point was that a lot of people, the everyday average person out there going to work for a living, they see the department of the interior and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service as this big entity that's got a lot of responsibility but it's just a, a big office that's in D.C., and they don't understand the people and the actions and all the work that's that that's behind those agencies that, that comes with the job. So I, you're being there and putting a, a face with 
what people don't understand about what U.S. Fish and Wildlife and the Department of the Interior does, I think it was a, a hugely helpful for, for that audience as well. Yeah, and just thinking about um, it was historic, some of the things that that happened between 2017 and, you know, just here wrapping up. My last day was January 19th, um, 2021. Um, and so, you know, it was every day we were doing something to make things easier uh, for the American people. And one of those um, was, in that tenure um, was we opened 4.1 million acres more for hunting and fishing. And um, just in 2020, we had opened 2.3 million acres for hunting and fishing. And so a lot of people were surprised to see that because, you know, it's your land. Um, You can go out there, you can hunt and fish. And we were using science. Um, We were following the law, um, of course, Everything that we do, you always get a lawsuit, two or three or four or five of them. Um, So we definitely got our share of lawsuits. But, you know, this is what these areas are meant for. Um, And so that was just historic to be able to um, open those areas um, and create different species that could be hunted that hadn't, you know, been on the list before. So we were excited to be able to do that. Um, And then... A lot of what we focused on, too, were our hunters, um, because hunters are true conservationists. And when you look at how much um, goes into funding for conservation, either at the levels of state or either, or also at the federal level, it's because of the excise taxes that go from, you know, equipment, that go from sales of ammunition and fuel. Right, and right. You guys, um, so you guys make that possible. And so I was really excited um, that in 2020, on the duck stamp, we now have the permanent theme of um, a hunting accessory because it's going to show that we appreciate our hunters. Right. So I, thank you for I, you guys for conservation. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. We're going to take a quick break right here. We'll be right back on the other side with Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. And she just fishing. This old man and me We're at the bar and we We're having us some beers And swapping out on cares Good morning. Welcome back to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Bitar. I am Ramon Robles. And uh, you got everything straight over there, Ramon? I think so. It was a, I was a little nervous. You know, we have a big-time guest on. And yeah. somebody who I admire and that her job was I get to go outside and Get get America back outside. Yep, and it's like, wow, that's what am I doing with my life? Yeah, and she and her team and the, the entire staff did a phenomenal job during her tenure. Joining us today is Aurelia Skipwith. Aurelia is the former director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Good morning, Aurelia. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, I have a quick question. What is your favorite breakfast food? Like right now, we're eating donuts and coffee, which is not healthy, but it got me thinking about breakfast food. What what do you, what's your go to staple? Oh, my gosh. Like, breakfast is a meal that you can eat any time of the day. Correct. In <laughs> so, fact, it's better at nighttime. Pancakes and eggs at 7 p.m.? Oh. 
or or a bowl of like frost oats, a bowl of cornflakes with sugar milk. <laughs> and so that's where you have the milk, mm-hmm. and then you add the sugar, and you stir it in there, and then you add the cornflakes, and then you might sprinkle a little bit more sugar on top God of love that. You. I think we can be friends. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what she's talking about, but uh, yeah, I'm not speaking from experience or anything, but my favorite part is when you have that layer of sugar laying on the bottom of the uh, yeah, milk, the and you scoop down there yeah. at the end. and You crunch that. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's I'm sorry, I'm a sugar, sugar addict, and, and and surprisingly enough, my favorite cereal is Captain Crunch. Oh yeah, and I will subject myself to the tearing of the roof of mm-hmm. my mouth yeah. just to have Captain Crunch every once in a while. Yeah. I'm sorry. Wait, I'm no- is, that, is that with is that with Crunch Berries? No, no, I'm a straight. He's I'm a, old I'm a, school. I'm old school traditionalist. It's got to be straight up <laughs> Captain Crunch, and I will bleed for it. I don't mm-hmm. care. It's it's. I'm a grown man, but I just I can't help it. I, I still I love Captain Crunch. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like to have my crunch berries in mine because it adds a little bit. I don't know that pink. Yeah. Plus, get in the sugar in the milk afterwards. Yeah. Oh, so delicious. Yeah, there's, and there's no chemicals or additives in no, this in that pink fine. at all. It's fine. <laughs> oh, well, we were talking on the other side before we went into the break about uh, some of the things, the great things Fish and Wildlife and and the Department of the Interior has done. But I want to take a step back a little bit because, and I, I know I'm going to embarrass you here, but I. I look at what you've done over your career, um, uh, not only in school but professionally. But uh, Ramon, I know I know you saw this. We were talking mm-hmm. about this before the show started. A bachelor's degree in biology from Howard University, a master's degree in molecular genetics. I can barely even say it from Purdue. A law degree from the University of Kentucky. Come on, and licensed to practice in Kentucky and Washington D.C. So, Aurelia, I've got to ask us: uh, Couldn't you have tried any harder? Couldn't you? you know, <laughs> I mean, come on, applied yourself. I know I should have tried harder, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you don't have quite enough degrees. <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things too, where you see something and then you got to do something about it. Yeah. And so, um, after I got my master's degree, I figured I was done with school. I'm going to go in and and work, and you know, I can make a career after that. And so, what I found was. Um, in my, in my last job, so I worked about seven years between grad school and law school. And so in my last role, um, we were working on a project and we were developing um, some crops for um, several African countries. Um, and what we discovered as we were trying to do the research and, and deploy, the, deploy the products was that uh, the regulations and laws um, in those countries prevented them from being able to, you know, even just do the research. And so I figured, what good is it if you have the best science in the world, but you can't use it because of laws and regulations? Yeah, right. So I was like, okay, we have, I mean, things are, you know, in America, you can grow things, you can do things, but in other countries you can't. Hmm. So um, I figured, let me go back to, let me go back to school. Um, and figure out, you know, how do we make sure that information, science is accessible? Um, And so when I was director, that was what we did. You know, all the decisions that we made were based on science and they were based on the rule of law. And it's about, you know, accessibility. So that's, I mean, that's really cool, though, that you, you, you got to a point in your career where you said, okay, I, I've done all this work, and but here's, here's a, a barricade, so I'm going to go back and increase my knowledge base so I can get us over this hump to, to go from, 
you know, your work and, and uh, after you got your master's degree to, okay, I need to go get a law degree so I can overcome this hurdle. And, and I think I recall reading uh, in your bio and, and in talking with you that, um, I mean, you kind of had this vision as a, as, a, as a young person, as a child, that you wanted to work with crops and sustainable use crops and that sort of thing. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, everything, and it, it really all started, um, so my mom, I would say God bless my mom for putting up with the wild, crazy ideas that I had and just the patience to, to figure out how to, you know, keep instilling in me to do more. Um, so my family hails from, from rural Mississippi, um, and so during the summers, uh, we would go down to where my aunts, my uncles, my, my grandparents were. And so my, my grandpa had a he had his hog farm. Um, he also had a garden. Um, so you would always see me outside doing something with grandpa. And I, I really enjoyed just spending the time outdoors with him. Um, and so then when so I was born and raised in Indianapolis, so then, you know, after our summers and after the holidays, you go back home to Indianapolis. And, um, you know, that's really where it's like, okay, well, what other opportunities are there. Um, and so it was always something based on the environment, outdoors, wildlife, um, and then just kind of following that passion and, and that interest. But it started at, at a very early age. And one thing that my um, grandpa taught me was that if you didn't grow it, catch it, or kill it, then you didn't eat it. Hmm. So, wow. yeah, that is something that is just up with me um but it really shows that there is the connection between uh people and the land and if you take care of the land and you take care of nature um she'll take care of you yeah uh, good point so that's yeah and that's so important we are talking with uh, former director uh Aurelia Skipwith and uh there is one accomplishment that we have not mentioned that she she owns and it's impressed me the most of everything she's done the one we're going to talk about coming up is the one that impresses me the most. Well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Let's take See, a break don't, here. don't go anywhere. You I'm come not, back. Yeah, okay. I, I, even want to, I don't even know what you're going to talk about. All right, folks, taking a quick break here on Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. Stay tuned for Ramon's Big Secret. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. What, what's that look for? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what is that? I just lost it. You just cast a stupid look across the table. <laughs> no. I mean, you had this look like, oh. Uh, no, all my looks are stupid. That something. was. <laughs> got tickled. I couldn't help it. I okay. thought you were going to throw something out there no, at the beginning. Brian Adams, this is run to you. It must be the fatigue. Yeah? Yeah, I'm barely making it through the weekend. Okay. Uh, well, listen, I want to get, We took a, before we took a break, and by the way, folks, you're listening to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950 before I got distracted. Mm-hmm. We're here today with a, a former director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. And, and Ramon, before you get to your question, yep. I've got to ask Aurelia, um, I was thinking about something at the end of the last segment. I can just imagine the looks on people's faces when you went back to Indianapolis after a summer in Mississippi and the stories you told them. What kind of reactions did you get from your from your schoolmates? Um, I think they probably thought I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) They were were like, yeah, there's probably a reason why we thought you were a little bit of a, of an odd duck. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But 
I'm and sure a lot, of, a lot of people that you know that are that are living in metropolitan areas aren't aren't used to uh, people harvesting corn and potatoes or, or butchering a hog or or whatever. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com else that you know that your that your that your grandfather had you doing at that time so I'm, i could just imagine that the the looks you got sometimes and i think that that's one of the important things too of um what you know at, as director or when i was director it was focused on as we look at like the populations uh there's over 80 percent of the populations that live in urban that live in urban areas and you know people think that corn comes in a package or that you really get your meat that's already wrapped in, you know, saran wrap and mm-hmm. they don't right. exactly where your food, where your food comes from. Yep. Um, and so that's something important too. And why it's also important to teach about, you know, hunting because not only is it a huge conservation piece, but Hey, that's, that's where people get their food. Um, and so ch- tying it back to um, uh, just knowing where your your food comes from and understanding nature um, and that it's all a balance and, and taking that all into perspective. And so spent a lot of times, um, spent time uh, focused on how do we start to get people that are in urban areas understanding um, their American heritage, which is hunting, which is also fishing, and et cetera, yeah. and to start to build that bridge. Yeah, it's um, surprisingly how uncommon that knowledge is. I was telling my son before I went hunting this weekend, I'm going to go get a hog so Daddy can bring home the bacon. And he said, <laughs> and he said, well, what are you going to do with the hog, Daddy? It's like, no, son, that's where the bacon comes from. It's the hog. Now, my son's 22. No, I'm just kidding. My son's five. But, uh, you know, even at that young age, I'm trying to explain to him, you know, that this is where we get our meat. This is where, you know, these these eggs come from a chicken. And, you know, that yeah. fried chicken you're eating was the chicken. You know, yeah, you don't go to the drive through McDonald's and they throw a steak out and it's just out <laughs> right. of the big machine in the back. Right. So, and, and, and I think we, we do, to, to, to your point, I think we make, um, I think we take it for granted. Those of us who have had the opportunity to hunt and fish and, and do those things in the outdoors that, 
we just take it for granted that everybody knows that mm-hmm. it's 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 okay and where the food comes from, whether it's you know beef or whatever. I mean, it's just yeah, you know. And and I I was keenly aware of that when we we I've done quite a few trips with uh, with kids that uh, had one or no parents before and never been exposed to the outdoor. And I, I still remember one time we had a group of kids um, out in the mountains and we were standing, we, we took them on a hike and we were standing in front of a stream. And this kid looked down at the water running by and said, and I walked over, I looked concerned and I walked over and I said, are you okay? And he looks at me and he said, what's that? And I said, that's a, a stream. Well, what does it do? Where does it come from? He had never, wow. never been outdoors before. So that really brought it home to me. So Anyway, um, it, we, we can't take it for granted that people don't really understand the uh, sources of our food and, and, the, yeah. and the, the need for hunting and fishing, you know, in this country. So, but I want to throw it back to you because I think you had a, a uh, you wanted to call out an accomplishment. Well, yeah, I, actually I do, and I don't want to skip over it, but um, you're an avid marathon runner. Not you, Joe. I'm talking about to Aurelia. I run from to the fridge in the bathroom, yeah. but that's about it. How, I mean, that is extraordinary. You know, that's 26 point, what, six miles? 26 point? 26.2. Yeah, that is an accomplishment. Now, how did that start? Well, I always like to kind of jog and stay in and just stay in shape. So I always like <laughs> running. And then it wasn't until I got older when I'm like, okay, this isn't that, this isn't that bad. <laughs> then you have like your little running, you have your running groups that you, um, meet with on like a weekly or a bi-weekly basis Mm -hmm. and you just kind of start to develop your friendships and your relationships and then that competitive piece starts to creep in there yeah (laughs) so so then you're always just striving to see like how can i do better what can i do better or you know what can i do to improve um and i got a running coach and and i start to do really well so um I'm really excited. I was able to break three hours, so my best on time is two hours, 58 minutes, and 15 seconds. My goodness. Congratulations. That is a big deal. Yeah, I was I was pretty excited <laughs> when that happened. And then I have a tradition that after um, I finish a marathon that I need to have a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> To greet me at the end of the oh nice yeah so i have a wonderful fiance so he's always standing at the finish line after he kind of you know meets me at like different spots along the way to cheer me on Mm -hmm. and he'll have a and he'll have a cookie for me and so in order to get that special cookie i actually have a running list of my favorite chocolate chip cookies oh very yeah and so it can it can rotate depending on of a new chocolate chip cookie comes out, so I'm always <laughs> I'm always tasting and yeah. testing different chocolate chip cookies. Are you more of a soft chew or the crunchy chew of a cookie? I'm I'm definitely a chew, yeah. chewy yeah. cookie. And my favorite cookie right now, it's actually you know been on the top as number one for probably about three years now. It is Arby's. Uh, it's made with Ghirardelli chocolate, cho- salted caramel oh my goodness. chocolate cookie. And from, it's warmed when they give it oh to Oh, my God. From Arby's, like the fast food place. From, yeah. So I could go right now. You know Arby's. Sure. We have the meats. Yeah. Yeah. So so my new theme for Arby's is 
we have the sweet. Oh, very clever. <laughs> yeah, good for you. That's got, a really pretty good dessert menu. Uh, i gotta, I got to hook her up with my wife because my wife makes the best chocolate chip cookies, okay. and they're loaded with M&Ms. Oh, okay. And they are awesome, awesome. Okay. So, uh, Ramona, I, we've now... We we're going to come up with a new nickname for her fiance, and we're just going to call him Cookie. So next time we call her, we want Cookie to answer the phone. <laughs> That's funny. And all you have to do is run a marathon to get that cookie. <laughs> God love you. <laughs> oh man. Okay. I, I kind of want to turn it back. That's that's. You know, if it all it took was a cookie to get me motivated for some right? things, I'd probably be a lot more productive. Well, that's where that's why I'm in the condition I'm in because I don't run nearly a marathon to get the cookies I eat. But you are motivated by cookies. I am. Okay, let's get that straight. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Um, Aria, you guys, when you when you were with Fish and Wildlife, um, you guys had more species during your tenure that were um, delisted, downlisted during the past four years than any other administration in their first four years. Can you? Briefly, just talk about what that means, what uh, delisting under the Endangered Species Act means. We've got about two minutes left here. Yeah, exactly. So the Fish and Wildlife Service, when a species um, becomes imperiled, um, we either see it or it's petitioned for us to review it, and we put it on the list as either uh, threatened, which means that it's um, going to be extinct, um, in the foreseeable future or endangered, which means, you know, extinction is right around the corner. Um, and so in order for us to reach to delist or downlist, it means that we've had to work with partners, um, um, either other organizations, state agencies, landowners, et cetera, to be able to get them off the list. And that's off the list due to recovery. Um, and so, Right now on the list, there's about 1,600 threatened and endangered species that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is responsible for. And when you look at their habitat, more than 60% of those, um, their habitat is on private land. And so in order for us to be able to reach our mandate of protecting these animals means that we have to work with the public um, in order to get them off the list. And so uh, within under the Trump administration, uh, we recovered 15 species uh, due to recovery. And so that is just huge. But it shows that it's the partnership, it's looking at the science, going back and reevaluating. Um, and it wouldn't be possible without, you know, everyone, everyone putting in and helping. Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment. And I think a lot of people don't realize that once an animal goes or a species goes on the list, it has recovered how hard it is or how difficult it is to get them off. So. It's a very, very big accomplishment. Um, We're going to take a quick break here on Hunting Matters on KPRC 950, and we'll be right back to wrap up the show in our last segment. Any idea why I'm playing this? No, I have no clue. Well, it's a stretch. Okay. But uh, here, I pulled up uh, a list here, and, and I wonder if uh, our guest, uh, Aurelia Skipwith, will know. Um, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson. Billy Jean. Oh, yeah, that, that is correct. But I'm playing it because Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Adam Lambert, David Letterman, Jenna Fisher all have this in common, along with uh, Aurelia. I'm not getting any connection. Idea? They're all from Indiana. Ah, I missed it totally. That's okay. It's a bit, it's a bit, um, it's minutia. Okay. 
Okay. I was trying to find people specifically from Indianapolis, yep. but the pool gets a lot smaller. Well, I do know the Jacksons <laughs> are from Gary, Indiana. Yeah, right. All right, folks, we're here on Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. I'm your host, Joe Bitar. I am Ramon Robles. We're joined today by the former director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Aurelia Skipwith. Good morning, Aurelia. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Ramon. Can we talk a little bit about elect- electronic permitting? Um, what is it and why was it was such a big accomplishment in 2020? much for bringing that up um yeah that was a huge accomplishment so the fish and wildlife service they issue about sixty-five thousand permits a year um and so before i got on board um it was all done um you would have to mail it in so you print off your print off your application you fill it out uh you put your check in the envelope and then you send it off to us and that is so um so outdated and I was like, first of all, um, there's got to be a better way for us to provide a better service to the American people besides mailing in checks. And that is so antiquated um, with our systems as well. Like, there has to be a way to be more efficient. And I would get a lot of phone calls from folks saying, hey, where's my permit? Um, can you give me a status update? And I'm like, if one person is calling me, hmm. then I know that there's several other people that are having this issue as well. And so how do we find a way to fix the problem um, and streamline the process? And so went through um, and put in place an electronic permitting system where people can go online, um, submit their information, pay online. Um, And it sounds like it's something that is so simple, um, but it hadn't been done. And so putting that into place um, really benefits the American people, which was everything that you know the trump administration was focused on how do we serve the american people better and plus it was a benefit to the service because of us sitting instead of us sitting there opening mail making sure we didn't lose a check or couldn't read something because it was ineligible you you had it in the system um and so it freed us up to focus on more important things such as the science that goes into evaluating if we should issue the permit or not. So it really was a big deal to get these get this electronic permitting system in place, bring us up to date into the 21st century like everywhere else. Um, and it's going to speed up the process so we can actually get more permits out of the door um, in a more timely fashion than what we were previously doing. And then made sure that it was built into the budget. So we plan for this so that it's not just a one-time thing, regardless if I was there, you know, the next person's there, but, you know, playing it out into the future. Um, so that was a huge win to to get that into place. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, when this came to your uh, uh, came to your desk and the, the first four words out of your mouth were uh, when you heard people were still mailing in checks and permits were, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, and I think then the conversation then went to uh, – okay, so how long does it take to get something in place? And then the dollar figure they came up with and um, the amount of people they told me, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, so let's, I was like, coming from one of the benefits I I thought of when coming to the service was I wasn't a traditional person. You know, my background, you know, still fits with, you know, conservation, but I was from the private sector. Mm -hmm. So I've been out in the world and it's like, okay, let's bring a little bit of this common sense piece of how things really work in the real world um, yeah. to to this to this agency. 
um, because it doesn't need to be a process that it was they, the first number they said it was going to take about 10 years to get this in place. And it's like, no, 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 we're not taking 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> By the time we get that system in place, it'll already be outdated. Uh, so it was, it was pushing hard and, and asking the questions of what really makes sense. Um, and then, you know, being from the private sector, being able to think about, okay, I've seen this before. I know what it actually takes to get something up and running and yeah. work. It, it, it's government protocols and policy just don't yeah. always fall in line with real world, real life situations. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big accomplishment. Well, thank and, you and, for doing that. Yeah. And you guys turned that around pretty quickly. Like you said, you're like, wait, we're doing what? And no, 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 we're, yeah. we're not going to do that. Let's do it this way. And it, by the way, it is fairly easy to do it. So I think you and I traded several phone calls and emails because I was getting calls about getting permits through. So and you're like, don't worry, we're working on it. And sure enough, before you know it, it happened. Yeah, and, and that's kind of a sad thing, too. It's like it shouldn't take someone to call the director to get an answer. The system should already be set in place where people, you know, you don't have to go to the top to get an answer. It should just be working. Um, and that, you know, being in government, you're a public servant. You're supposed to serve the public. That's that's your business. Um, and so I really tried to, you know, drive that message home as well as, you know, the the taxpayers, they're the ones who are paying our salaries, hmm. um, and they deserve to have answers, um, and timely answers as well. And sometimes an answer um, doesn't always have to be yes, but it's going to be we're going to work our hardest to get you an answer as quickly as we can um, and then figure out what are the next step forward. And when we look at also things that we worked on, too, was regulations that came out. Um, there are a lot of regulations that dealt with the ESA, and how to implement it better so implement it better so that it works for uh, the American people because you can have conservation with people and development all together. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I think a lot of people thought that and it's um, and you can't they, they do work together and it's making sure that they work together well. Um, so that was something that was really um, important to me. Um, and then a couple other things that were important to me, um, was during 2020, I mean, COVID just wreaked havoc, um, but we were focused on keeping our lands open. Yeah. And so we, so the Fish and Wildlife Service saw a 30 to 100% increase um, in visitation. Wow. And so my thing was, you know, people got outdoors. And, and not to forget those experiences going forward, um, but to remember just that refuge that you got being outdoors, being able to see things, smell things, hear things, um, and not to and to continue that. Um, continue to visit um, your local places that are nearby, those green spaces. Um, and the other thing was also making sure that we start to and continue to build relationships with the organizations that uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service didn't traditionally do. So. Um, one of the things that I did on, in like my last few days in office was the Fish and Wildlife Service um, signed an MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, with the National Rifle Association of America. Hmm. Um, and that highlighted that that organization is focused on conservation, um, and we need to work together because we have a common ground. Yep. And we need to use that for for all members. And... Um, so it was it was finding ways to build relationships with organizations that are focused on conservation. 
um, and, and expand the network of the Fish and Wildlife Service. Do you have to pay admission anymore for going to go into parks and refugees? So for most of the refugees, there is not a fee. No, no I'm talking um, about you as a former director. Oh, oh like, yes. Do you just flash your little badge and you're like, excuse me, former director coming through? <laughs> I, have turned in, I have turned in all of my paperwork and badges, and I'm just a regular old citizen. I would have held one back. Like the next person. God love you. Yeah, Ramon would have <laughs> held one back. He would have been, he, He's always out for a free ride, so. I believe I'll be seeing Yosemite for free this weekend. Yeah. And just, you know. Okay. All right. Well, good for you. You're a better person than I am. Well, folks, we've been joined today by Aurelia Skipwith. She is the former director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Aurelia, thanks for joining us, and thanks for all that you have done uh, in serving the public in your role. I, I think the, the, we didn't, an hour wasn't enough time to talk about all the things that was accomplished under your, under your leadership. But we applaud you, and we thank you for that, and thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you so much, Joe. This was fantastic. Thank you again, Ramon, and appreciate you guys having me. All right, folks, join us next week here on Hunting Matters on KPRC 950, and we'll talk about hunting and everything else. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.